Welcome into the show. It is Daniel Werbin coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. West Coast wake-up call in all time zones in between and around the world. Wow. 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 Man, two days in a row... Unbelievable drama. Unbelievable drama. Wow. I saw so many uh, tweets yesterday. If you don't love the game of football, I can't help you. Something along those lines. And that's the truth. My word. It was incredible. The, the drama... Uh, at Anfield, the drama yesterday in Amsterdam, Ajax looks like they're heading to the final and they go to half up three nil one away goal two in the first half. Everything is in front of them. 45 minutes to glory to the champions league final. And, uh, Pochettino said, "You know what? It, it it's not working. We we can't we can't play the way we want to play and be successful. Let's throw in Lorente and just mix it up." And um, it just started causing some issues there at the beginning of the second half. Ajax were not composed. Uh, I, it definitely looked like the team showed a little bit of its of its youth in in those. Um, uh in those moments and um and so with that the um uh the 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 game started to turn into a uh 2-2 affair on the day meaning Tottenham was only uh down one goal and with the away goals rule um Tottenham if they scored one more were going to go through because they would have three away goals versus Ajax one even though the aggregate score was 3-3 and the drama kept building kept building and, and Ajax really kind of got the game back under control and had so many chances to put the game away um, and they 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 hit the post they just barely missed I mean it was so close razor thin and then 10 seconds left 
And again, that lack of composure instead of instead of fouling and, and kind of locking the ball down, the, 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 the momentum down, the game down at, at, at the midfield, they, they instead allowed Tottenham to kind of bomb the ball forward instead of getting everybody back and set. And Tottenham with 10 seconds to go puts one inside the, uh, the post, barely beating the keeper and Tottenham with 10 seconds left, runs away with glory to the Champions League final to meet their fellow Premier League brethren, Liverpool. And um, it's, it's, it was, you know, for, for two days in a row, I, you know, I, I wanted it to see Barcelona obviously win. And I wanted to see uh, Ajax win yesterday. I think the whole world was rooting for Ajax except for Tottenham supporters and to to think about a week ago, we were all looking at an all Cruyff final and how special that was going to be. This celebration of Johan Cruyff and and his legacy, and, and having these two clubs that are that are are synonymous with 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 Cruyff and in the final against one another. Um, already one player confirmed coming from Ajax to Barcelona and Franca de Jong in the summer the possibility of others and then you know you you see these last 48 to 72 hours play out and it's just unbelievable i mean we go from what we expected to be the final with barcelona and ajax to to now being in a final that is uh got two you know uh, premier league you know uh, clubs that are are have been battling it out all year and now are going to meet up again in a third matchup here in the Champions League final. And it's, look, both Liverpool and Tottenham deserve all the credit in the world for fighting back and not giving up, not laying down. Absolutely um, deserve every bit of praise and and kudos and celebration for their Herculean efforts uh, on Tuesday and yesterday to to overturn these deficits and find their way into the Champions League finals. You cannot say that either team doesn't deserve it. They absolutely deserve it. And um you know, I I'm hoping that at the Champions League final that Liverpool walks away with the win as as they're you know my second favorite team. But um, I mean it's gonna be one heck of a final, and um, and so I I I was hoping to see Ajax. Uh, it hurt to see uh, this group because the, the the truth is Ajax. If you're unaware, Ajax operates on a budget that is nowhere near the Premier League. Nowhere near the Premier League. They they do not have the the television revenue. They do not have the commercial revenue. Their their players are not nearly as well paid as as Premier League players and players from from other countries. Players at like at, at Real Madrid and Barcelona and Juventus, Bayern Munich, etc. This young group, and, and, and there were some veterans there, but this young core group, um, you know, we already know Frankie de Jong is, is leaving at the, end, at the end of this season, but just to know that, that they're not going to get to the final and they're probably not going to be back anytime soon just, just because of the realities of the market and and the fact that you're probably going to be losing some more players from this from this squad uh, over the summer. And, you know, it, it is. It's a little bittersweet. It's a little sad that to, to watch that play out. But that's the realities of the game. That's the realities of an open market. And, and it's the realities of football at the highest levels. It is... It is you have to take your chances. You cannot expect that you're going to get another opportunity or another chance in the future. You have to realize your moment right now. And it's it's the real world. It's it's dog eat dog. It's it's, you know, played uh, on the field and what you do matters every single time out. 
This is what we lack in America. In the U.S., if you if you don't if you don't make it, it's like, uh, well, you know, there's next year. There may not be a next year. Ajax hasn't been in the Champions League final since '95. I mean, since the the mid '90s. I mean, it's been a long time since Ajax has has gotten this far. Um, and and had not and, and still didn't get to the final, obviously, losing yesterday in the semifinals. So you cannot bank in world football. You cannot bank on the fact that there's always next year. That mentality is a mentality of mediocrity. It is a mentality of of being a loser. Losers always give themselves excuses. Losers are always looking for a way to not hold themselves accountable. You may not like that, but that's the truth. The truth is, is that a winner, a champion, is always wanting to take that moment and grab it and not let go of it. And, uh, you know, Ajax knows this. They, 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 those players are winners. And even though they messed up yesterday in the second half and, and it got away from them, they're not walking around today going, you know, well, we got next year. No, they know you know, good and well that, that this was their moment, this was their chance, they let it slip through their hands, and they have no one to blame but themselves, and it's the harsh realities of of playing in a system based on sporting merit and a, and a system that is open. When you, have a, when you have a football system, a soccer ecosystem that is open, that allows the market to dictate what happens, you have to understand that there are there are some things that that you're battling that are very difficult to overcome and if you're if you're Ajax and you don't have the ability to just go and 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 buy five or six new players that may be at the top level that you've got to develop them or you've got to find them and kind of bring them up young and and then you know like a Frankie de Jong at 21 sell him on to to reinvest in the club when that is your model in the realities of this system uh, that you're in, like you, you realize like, I have to take this chance. I have to take this moment. And if I don't take this moment, if I don't, if I don't take advantage of this opportunity, um, I may not get another one. And, and, when, and when you have that mentality, it raises the stakes in your mind as a player. It, it raises the, the pressure on the club and it, and it produces drama like what we've seen yesterday and Tuesday. I mean, just incredible. I don't think you could I don't I don't I don't recall a Champions League semifinal round as good as this one. I mean, unbelievable. One week you think Barcelona and Ajax have the advantage that and then you come into this week and then you you leave with your just complete just mind-blowing experience and drama and just I mean I couldn't take my eyes off of it either day it was un unreal and uh, I want that drama I want it uh, it's better for the game that drama is better for the game we've got to get to a place in American sports and especially in American soccer where our clubs have to be accountable to themselves we've got to stop putting on the training wheels and the diapers and claiming that major league soccer franchises who are who are owned by millionaires and billionaires that that they somehow need training wheels and and diapers to to run a soccer franchise that is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous we do not need training wheels that is all that all of that stuff is just it, it, it's excuses given by the Federation and given by those in charge of MLS, not because they need the training wheels. They don't need it. They don't need it. The reason why they have those things in place is so that they can keep control over the system so that someone from the outside cannot challenge those who are part of the inside. That's meaning Major League Soccer. That's why these training wheels are on. It's not it, it's not because these MLS franchises need that anymore. They don't need it. They don't need it. Matter of fact, I would argue they they need to have that taken away so that they actually invest in the game, that they actually build the game so that we actually get drama. If we if we could actually get 
moments like yesterday and Tuesday going on in America. If one thing that that if you follow American sports at all, when you look at 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 basketball, baseball, hockey, what's the one game everyone talks about every year? It's in the playoffs. It's game seven, right? Why? Winner take all. The drama. All the eyeballs are there. The game matters. That game matters. It determines the winner and the loser. And you watch the ratings. It always goes up. When you look at the NFL playoffs, every game matters. You lose. You go home. You win. You move on. That's what you get throughout the season when you're playing in a single table. When promotion and relegation is on the line, you get that drama in your regular season because it is a 38-game-long tournament to see who becomes the champion but also who gets to qualify for Champions League or who gets to stay in the Premier League. It is a 38-season marathon tournament, and it is drama all year long. Every match matters. Then we look at Major League Soccer, and like nothing matters right now. I mean, you can be terrible most of the year, win a few games at the end, and make your way into the playoffs, become MLS Cup champion, and no one cares. We've got to get back to a place, or we've actually got to get to a place in American soccer where every match matters, where the drama that we saw over the last 48 to 72 hours is the drama that we see in our own soccer. We need these clubs to to be accountable to themselves, to reach for the stars, and if they don't make it tough, pick yourself up by the bootstraps and do it again. Go again. Build again. Try again. Invest more. Find better players. Get better coaches. But have accountability for yourself. We need to take the reins off, the, the training wheels off. We need to take the diapers off and actually get into the real business and system of the global game. And if we embrace that, I, I promise you, if we embrace that within five to 10 years, America is going to be a destination place. It's going to be a destination league and country for players around the world because they want to play here. They want to live here. They love America, but, but our soccer does not match global standards, but it could if we get our act together. And I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that uh, that we get there uh, very very soon because um, you know we're we're just we're not there now and you watch the last two days and you can tell that we are nowhere close to reaching that level um, at all and uh, and I hope that changes so for our sake for for the country's sake for the for the world's sake I hope we get we get it right eventually because the, the game would be better off for it. So we have Luke Berry joining us after the break from Port City FC. Uh, they are members of the Gulf Coast Premier League. We look forward to talking to him. Uh, our sponsor for today's show is Charity Water. If you don't know about Charity Water, check them out at charitywater.org. You can learn more about all of their incredible work there at charitywater.org. We will be right back after this.
Welcome back to the show. We are pleased to have joining us Luke Berry of Port City FC, the director of operations there at Port City FC. Luke, welcome to the show. Hey, Daniel. Yeah, glad to be here. So, Luke, give us a little bit of background. Um, you, you're you're there in southern Mississippi, and uh, you don't sound like you have a native accent for, for southern Mississippi so um unless there's an english colony somewhere i'm unaware of in southern mississippi where are you from originally yeah so i'm from uh, neighboring louisiana um no i'm i'm from uh, england uh, bristol originally um uh, yeah so I've, i moved over here um I've, I've been back and forth really the last 10 years um but yeah I'm, i moved back properly about four years ago so but originally england so what originally brought you over in in the first place was it was it college was it school what what, what were what was the draw to the US So it's it's been quite a mix so I first moved over um when I was 14 years old my parents uh, moved to just outside New Orleans um and then uh, that was 2004 uh, Hurricane Katrina hit um so not the best timing in 2005 and all the schools, as, uh, as anyone around the area knows, you know, the whole the whole place was shut down for, for months, if not you know longer. Um, and so I made the decision that I wanted to go back to England and continue going to school. Um, so that's what I did. And then when I was 18, so in 2008, um, I came back over to play soccer at um, a, a junior college out over here. Um, played for a couple of years, um, went back to England, got my bachelor's degree, uh, worked for a couple of years in England, and the opportunity came up to come back over to the States uh, through opening a, uh, a small, uh, small-sided small soccer business, basically, called Evolution Soccer, um, that I started in 2015. Um, and, uh, and then, yes, yeah, since then, the rest is history, and, and now Port City, which is um, taking up far too much of my time now. <laughs> So uh, you you come over and you you start this soccer business, Evolution Soccer. Is that still up and running? And, and kind of what what is the 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 theme or the the vision behind uh, Evolution Soccer? Yeah, so Evolution Soccer, um, no, it's not up and running anymore. It was it, so in England we have um, this, uh, places called things like Power League, um, which is the most common one in England, and it's. Uh, what they do is they provide small-sided soccer, so five-a-side mainly, um, and it's geared towards, it's almost like a gym membership. You, you'd go there on, if you're working a nine-to-five type uh, job, you'd go there uh, after work for an hour, um, play a game, and uh, and be done. So they did leagues, they did friendlies. You sort of almost rented a field for an hour. Um, and it was extremely, or is extremely popular in the UK, of course, because we're uh, football or soccer mad. Um, so, uh, so, you know, obviously there, there were hundreds of these pitches sometimes in, in single cities. I mean, London had them everywhere. Um, where I was, Manchester, uh, there were sort of three or four separate sites. You know, some of the sites had as many as sort of 20, 30 fields. And anyway, like I said, the opportunity came up to sort of try and replicate that here. Um, and so that's what we tried to do. Um, and obviously, as I knew South Mississippi or this area, that was the obvious place to start. Um, and, and the, the youth soccer scene here is pretty large. Um, adult just isn't, um, not yet. Um, so that was sort of a bit, a bit early. I think you know maybe in five, ten years it could something like that could float. But right now it's um, yeah, it was a bit, bit ahead of its time. I think so. Uh, so yeah, it ended uh, about two years ago um, or a year or so ago, and uh, yeah, so that was the end of that. So you you you're here and you migrate from this kind of business into what's become port city fc how did all of that mm-hmm. start in 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 what was the origin story of port city fc uh, as we now know it today yeah so after being here a couple of years um and playing soccer around the community and sort of speaking to people around here me and a number of other uh, two or three other guys that were sort of in the soccer community thought, you know, really there has to be something available for 
for guys that are out of college or you know still playing at a decent level because um, the talent as i'm sure it is in in every pocket in america there there is some really really good soccer players that have left college and there's just not much opportunity after that and in the last two years that's changed quite significantly but you know and certainly in the last 10 years um, but yeah, so after after sort of trying to sit down and think, you know, we have a, a Sunday league in Biloxi, um, which is fine, and you know, for for the amateur player is great. But for those players that really are pushing further than that, there there wasn't anything for them to to sort of get their teeth into. So we sat down, and at that time, I think it was the Louisiana Premier League, um, which is now the GCPL, the Gulf Coast Premier League, um, was was really the highest level of competition that we could aspire to achieve. You know, without spending a fortune um so so we sort of created originally it was called uh biloxi city fc um and uh and that morphed into port city fc but really the the, the thinking or the origin of the idea was just to facilitate um or, or provide a platform for the promising players around the coast and since then it's obviously grown into being something much larger and, and obviously that's what we're hoping to keep pushing and and you know the season's the limit sort of thing so putting together a team and and putting it into the early stages of the GCPL um what was the what was the 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 long-term goal in terms of of a project like that uh, what, what what are the aspirations what what are you hoping to to do and and build over time there with the with not only the Gulf Coast Premier League but specifically with Port City FC um, difficult to say because, as as I know, you're all too familiar with that the U.S. soccer pyramid is ever changing, and 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 who knows what what's in store. I think two three years ago, um, we sort of thought we were in a good position to start a club like we did, and I think we we were right. Um, looking back at it now, three years later, and and how quickly it's grown, I think now is a very exciting time in U.S. soccer where it's going and where the, I mean, the GCPL, as I know you're familiar with, has, has just exploded since we grew a part of it. I mean, we started and I think there were maybe, I think it was eight teams in our first year and now obviously it's up to 18. Um, and as I said, when we first joined, it was the Louisiana Premier League and now it's part of, I think, five or six states when you've got Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama and uh, Florida. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and every year there's new teams and, and it's not just new teams but the quality of teams that are coming on i mean tallahassee this year which i know a lot of uh, the gcpl are excited about and um, they seem to be making real waves over that way um and then you've got other teams like uh the louisiana crew um and then we've got uh, who actually were last year but the central texas lobos who are obviously a, a, a texas team and, and i think that's sort of the direction that's now being pushed with the gcpl is sort of getting more texas teams involved which we all know has some uh, real quality so being a part of a project like that um, in, in a league that is is expanding, it's growing, the interest is there, and, and I, I've spoken to clubs around the country who are watching this, um, you know, transformation and growth process of the GCPL with great interest and, and looking to, to build some of their own kind of models around what they're seeing uh, down in in the the GCPL footprint um what what it, it obviously we know that that there are serious issues with the American uh, pyramid there there really isn't one to be honest um it, mm-hmm. and it's just a disconnected blob of leagues and um you know the the amateur space is even more uh, disjointed than than the professional landscape, and um, in that you you don't even have um, any kind of ranking order with leagues. Um, you know, in the professional, even though I think it's insane the way the the, the rules are set up to determine who's Division One, Two, II, and Three. Um, it, it it has nothing to do with the actual game of soccer or your competence to run a soccer club, um, you at least know based on those arbitrary rules, who is first, second or third division, uh, professionally Mm -hmm. sanctioned in the amateur space. 
there's there's no way to know. Everyone brags like, oh, we're we're the highest amateur league, or we're we mm-hmm. are, you know. We're the de facto fourth division, and and I've heard the NPSL use this before. I've heard uh, USL League Two, uh, formerly the PDL, refer to themselves as the highest level amateur league in the country, and, and you hear all these things. Those are all just marketing gimmicks because there there is no sanctioning for fourth division, and there is no uh, pyramid or priority placed on uh, determining a a a system of levels in the amateur space either so in that as as maddening as it is for me when i'm looking at it from a macro perspective on a micro level when you look at a project like the gcpl it means that you know there is a real big opportunity to to do something and build something with other clubs and 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 elevate the status of the whole project beyond maybe than what you could do if it was sanctioned properly by the federation so as you as you are building port city fc and you're seeing you know tallahassee come in you you, you've seen other clubs um that are building within the league you know what what do you hope to see out of the gulf coast premier league over these next you know two three four five years in terms of you know, commercialization, organization, um, building the the game day, match day experience. What are some of the things that you would like to see as you guys keep building uh, for the future? Um, I think so. From from a Port City point of view, our focus initially, like I said, was to. Um, facilitate to provide an opportunity for those that wanted to uh, try and you know the local talent um, since then it's grown to a point where we still can do that but really we're taking you know the top five local players and mixing them with you know current college players um, of you know either d1 d2 or, or you know naia or, or you know high level college players um, and then since then as well our, our aim's gone towards club culture um, which is sort of something that we take quite a lot of pride in i know there's other teams in the league that do as well you know tallahassee's one even though they're new they've done a great job of trying to really create club culture and a brand um afc mobile um probably one of the more well-known uh clubs in the league um and there are, there are a handful of others uh gulf coast rangers is another one that i think is is a strange one because they've done incredibly well but obviously they have a youth club which most of the uh the youth club uh teams that have sort of created senior programs have, have sort of almost neglected the club culture side whereas rangers have done a terrific job of really trying to uh, make their own uh, senior program which has its own identity as well as having their youth program so um but anyway um so yeah so i mean our our focus has been on club culture and, and i think with the gcpl that's what they're starting to do now when we first joined um it was you know a lot of uh glorified sunday teams almost involved including us really um and then you know now uh their target seems to be towards you know really trying to grow teams like afc mobile um and like i think port city that are trying to really push and, and create an, their own identity um i think that, that what i'd like what i think most of the gcpl want to see is just continued growth but i think it's almost at a crossroads now i think the gcpl has to make sure that they're not just adding for the sake of adding, um, which I, I don't think they will. I think they're a terrifically run organization and league, and I think they've got good people at the helm. Um, but that that sort of becomes now the focus is, you know, not just adding uh, teams for the sake of, you know, growth, but adding teams that are really going to bring something to the league and, and trying to sort of fit their, uh, you know, the, the philosophy, which I think we're all trying to push, which is uh, high-quality soccer and uh, and obviously a club culture. And in terms of uh, the sort of you know the the other amateur leagues, the MPSL, the USL D2, um, it's a tricky one because I mean I think you can understand that they're the nationally recognised leagues. I mean I think what it comes down to, I'm not convinced that there is a huge gap in difference of the playing quality. Um, USL D2 may be the anomaly with that, but um, I mean I would love for Port City or, or some of the top GCPL teams to have an opportunity to play. Uh, some of the MPSL teams, because I mean, I, I I know I'm very confident in our squad. Um, and if you look down our ranks, we've got some of the best players 
uh, in the area. Um, and even, you know, our, our one of our most promising players, Jordan Hall, who was a was the Big Ten top goal scorer. Um, and he had MDSL and USL D2 teams uh, snapping at his heels, but uh, he's coming back. He actually arrives today. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, we've, we feel that our playing squad is no different from many of the other amateur leagues. We just think that, you know, it's almost a national recognition thing, which is an issue when you're trying to get sponsors and, and, and you know, trying to keep your club uh, in, the, in the black rather than the red. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think actually from a playing point of view, from a, from a supporter point of view, I think you're going to see the same level of quality in the GCPL as what you will in the other leagues, which I think we've still got to try and prove. And it's difficult to do so when you can't, uh, you know, test it and then play some of these teams. Or, or in the case of, of ASC mobile and they're, they're going to send me hate mail. You go to Chattanooga and you get just drummed nine to zero. That doesn't help either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, it's, a, it's a tough one because, I mean, you know, AFC Mobile um, have got one hell of a brand behind them and some great minds behind them as well. Um, their playing squad just isn't quite at that level yet. Um, and so from a GCPL point of view, it's it's slightly frustrating because obviously we, we want to be able to, you know, show that the GCPL is a serious uh, club. But uh, no no issue with AFC Mobile doing it because, I mean, that, that they've got to do what's right for them. And, I mean, from that from their point of view, it's great brand exposure. Um, and, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, it's, I mean, I would love for Port City or some of the top GCPL teams to be able to go toe-to-toe with someone like Chattanooga or one of the, you know, good MPSL teams. But we've been striving to do so, but it's hard to do when most MPSL teams don't get their players in until the week before. Um, and we're kind of in a similar situation with a lot of our players. You know, like I said, Jordan Hall, one of our best players, arrives today in our first games tomorrow. Um, so, you know, trying to arrange preseason friendlies is, is a challenge um, when you're trying to do it with USL D2 or MPSL sides. Um, so the only real opportunity you get to test yourself against, you know, the, the, those sort of teams are the US Open Cup. And the US Open Cup is just not set up for teams like uh, teams from the GCPL. Uh, Port City were in it last year, but of course we have to go through qualifying because we're not seen to be the same level as the MPSL and the USL D2. What that means is that we have to go through qualifying through the winter um, when all of our college players have gone home. So we, we can't we can't make it. You know, so we, we fought uh, through playing teams, which the other teams that are going through qualifying are true amateur clubs. So they are using their local players, um, whereas we just had to completely find a brand new team and try and fight our way through qualifiers to be able to play in the US Open Cup. So, yeah, so it, it's frustrating. Um, but I do, I, I genuinely believe that our, our squad could give uh, any MPSL or maybe not all the USL D2 teams, but, uh, but certainly any NPSL uh, team again. So as you're kind of, um, you know, looking at the landscape and in Port City specifically as it fits in this landscape, if things were were here in America like they are in England, where you grew up, what you know very well, um, what would that do to Port City in terms of planning, in terms of aspirations, in terms of ambition? Uh, everything. I, th- I think. I think the whole amateur, um, all, all amateur clubs are sort of praying for that day where you know promotion, relegation, and uh, and a sort of a system that allows clubs to to be able to progress up the ladder on merit rather than if they have someone with a deep pocket coming along um i think that changes the everyone's perspective I and mean, that's sort of what we're we're hoping will happen and that's why we feel we're in a good position to take advantage if that ever does happen i think um the usl i think have done a tremendous job with with their rebrand and obviously that they've, they've very much uh, made it clear what their intentions are with with their rebrand and, and calling it you know the championship league one league two which I know you'll be familiar is exactly how the, the UK system set up um, with the Premier League being above that and then the rest being, you know, that's the, that is the, the football league, they call it, um, which is from the Premier League through to the uh, to League Two. And then after that, you have what's called non-league, um, which is sort of uh, semi-professional teams or, or some professional teams that drop out the football league. And, and either way, promotion relegation is possible. And and that's the point with England. You, you start right at the bottom. You know, you're, you're in a small village and you want to start a team. 
um, you can do that and there's nothing stopping you from being in the Premier League, you know, if you, <laughs> it's hypothetically speaking. So, um, and that's sort of how we feel. And, and a lot of times I've, you know, people have said, uh, or I've had conversations with people and they sort of said, well, you know, the Mississippi Gulf Coast couldn't field a, you know, a, a top team. And I said, but you, were, you know, you've got Bournemouth in the Premier League who uh, their stadium, I think is 11,000. Um, you know, I mean, those stories do happen in the rest of the world. It's just, it's got to take a switch of mentality, I think, over here for it to, to be able to happen. Well, th- think think about Ibar. I mean, Ibar is in a is in a city of like 30,000 people, 35,000 people. I mean, it's mm-hmm. tiny, tiny in Spain, playing first division in, in Spain. And so this idea to me is just completely laughable that you could not build a club in America in a, in, in a city of a hundred thousand or 200,000 people and make it to the top. Now, is it going to be difficult? Yes. Is it going to be hard to stay mm-hmm. there? Absolutely. Because when you look at the U S and the, and the size and the scale of the U S I mean, you're, you're going to have, cause right now you have cities that, that are not in the top level of American soccer who could easily put not just one, but two or three teams into the first division. Um, you know, you have a city like Atlanta that has Atlanta United, but that city could easily, you know, if you compare it to cities in Europe, that city could easily have two or three others that are in first or second division. And and you look at Charlotte, nothing there. Uh, you, so you, you start, you know, you, you start going around the country uh, you know, Memphis, New Orleans, um, and and you and you start to to realize that um, there is this just massive uh, opportunity. If it's ever given the chance, uh, we we could you know never think. Well, look, the Mississippi Gulf Coast could never make it to the first division, but. I, I think it could. I think places like, and I've, I've talked uh, off air with Chris Kessel about this with West Virginia. I think West Virginia could be a, a Bournemouth or a Southampton type of uh, club that could make it to the Premier League and stay. And the reason why I think they could is because that would be the team of the entire state of West Virginia. They don't have pro sports in West Virginia. It's so like if they made it to the top, like that entire state, I mean, you would see 30, 40,000 at every match because that would be like what everybody would be, would be wanting to be a part of because it would be their only chance to have, you know, top level professional sports in their entire state. And I think you would actually see that kind of Burnmouth, Ibar, um, even Southampton um, type of of story repeated across the country, and if not at the first division level, I think you definitely see it at the second division level, and and certainly down into the third division level, where you're seeing like true professional clubs in places where right now Major League Soccer wouldn't even blink. Like if you called up Don Garber and said, "Hey, Don." Uh, we're Port City FC. We have ambitions to play first division soccer. And he's like, now, where are you again? He would be like, yeah, not happening. Yeah. Right. I mean, just not, ha- we're not interested. Right. Not happening. Um, and so in a, in a, in a system based on sporting merit, you, you remove that arbitrary gatekeeper who gets to say yes or no. And instead, mm-hmm. Instead, you guys are able to build and dream and take advantage of the opportunity, put a good team, a good product on the field, and and prove it. And if you are able to do it and build it, then, you know, the sky is the limit. And, you know, I opened the show today talking about the drama from the last two days and of the Champions League with, with the mm-hmm. epic meltdown of Barcelona and the the – amazing you know fight back of liverpool and then yesterday it was almost you know identical repeated in in the game with with ajax and tottenham there in amsterdam and and just the fact that we lack that drama 
in America. We do not have that level of pressure, that level of of drama um, on ongoing with it within our leagues and within our uh, within our play period. And you know, the critics will argue, well, we're just not we're not ready for that yet. Well, you don't ever get ready for that. You just adjust to it. Like if it if every game matters, then that is what creates the pressure. You don't. It, it, it's like I, I what I don't understand, and you, and you know this from from growing up in England. Like it's it's a natural byproduct of the system that every game matters. Like it, it's just part of it. Um, and mm-hmm. and so until we have that kind of environment in the U.S., you're never going to be able to recreate that level of pressure or that level of of anticipation or excitement and passion because that's what produces it it's sporting merit that produces it and gives clubs like port city fc the opportunity to to really dream and build and go beyond what you're doing now and what you're doing now is is great you guys won the league last year um and and I watched uh, one of your preseason matches last weekend, and you know it looks like your team is going to be really solid competing again for the GCPL title. And so this idea that you can't build a sustainable quality club in in the Gulf Coast of Mississippi is is crazy to me. Um, you know, so a- as you are building this out, what? What, what are the day-to-day type Port City operations like as you're kind of building for the present reality of the GCPL? Yeah, well, I, I, I wanted to say, like, I, I mean, the thing that I always get told when, I, when talking about the American soccer pyramid um, is, you know, America's too big. It, it, it can't function like England. It can't function like, um, you know, a, a lot of other European countries, which which is definitely an obstacle, don't get me wrong. However... The Chinese Super League now is actually a league which people have heard of. Ten years ago, you wouldn't have even known that China had a football league, and now it's sort of grown to a point. Of, and they have promotion relegation. And China is a, is a good comparison for the US because it's a similar size, but it has a far greater population, um, which I understand. But I think the the point is that there there where there's a will, there's a way. And I think at the moment there's no will from the American system to change. Um, and where that comes from, I mean, we 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 all know who the big boogeyman is with the MLS. Um, but that there needs to be change. And until there's real desire to change from the top, it's it's not going to happen. And that's the frustration is because it, it should happen. And and going back to what you were saying, you know, the, the, the passion and the drive when, when you're playing league games and you have got that sort of opportunity um, and risk of going down. Um, I, I'm a Bristol City fan um, through and through, and, uh, and they're in the championship, which is the second division of, of the uh, football in the UK. And, uh, and my most exciting season of my whole life, I'm only 28, so I'm not that long in the tooth, but my whole my, my most exciting season was when we were fighting relegation and, and I remember we went to it, it was a game versus Coventry city. And it was one of those where one of us was going down, depending on that result. And, uh, and the absolute passion and from every single person in that stadium, when Bristol city ended up beating Coventry city, I think it was in 2010 or 11, um, was just, uh, you, you, you just can't, there's no cup, no trophy that will ever give you that much excitement as to knowing that your club will be staying in the division the next year or at the other end of the table going up to the next division um and and like we were talking about you know population sizes you know you had Burton Albion um who were in the championship uh, last year or the year before um and I mean they they were serious minnows I mean they they didn't even really have a stake to be a professional club let alone be in the second division of UK football so yeah there, there are hundreds of stories out there and hundreds of uh you know things that people can throw out to say that U.S. soccer can do it, but it, it's definitely going to take um, some desire to do that. Um, going back to your question, though, yeah, the, the day-to-day operations of Port City are changing every year. Um, you know, we, we have, like I've said, high aspirations to continue growing and to sort of try and get somewhere um, and, and hope that the U.S. soccer pyramid opens up and gives us an opportunity to get somewhere. 
Um, but day-to-day operations typically, um, so my title is the director of operations, um, which is another term for just saying that I do all the grunt work. <laughs> so, so I typically, you know, whether it's coming up with promotions or, uh, or updating websites, social media, getting the administration done, so sending in team sheets and uh, and doing all of that. But each year we get more and more advanced. So this year we have um, an intern coming to work for us um, and we have a, a load of our under-23 players um we we sort of offer sponsorship to them in terms of uh, in exchange for them uh working for us so our uh our sort of uh behind the scenes work is becoming more advanced each year uh this year we're about to start live streaming um which uh we we, we were reluctant to do initially because we wanted to make sure we could do it right and not just put out you know a facebook live stream off someone's phone we wanted to be able to offer a, a good quality product which we're quite excited about doing uh, and we've actually that the real drive behind doing it this year is that we've got a uh, a brewery on the coast, uh, which is in downtown Gulfport, the, the biggest city on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Um, and they are going to stream the games right onto the TV in the bar, um, which is awesome. So we can have a proper sort of a, a watch party or a beanback party uh, where, where guys can, for our away games, they can go to the bar uh, and they can, you know, drink beer and, and watch uh, Port City play like it's, you know, watching... The Champions League yesterday, you know, so so that's sort of uh, that's where we where we are at the moment. Um, like I said, each year we sort of get a bit more advanced and sort of tinker with it a bit. And uh, you know, we're a growing club, like I think a lot of clubs in in the US are. And uh, what what it really is gonna the fear, I suppose, is that the US soccer pyramid doesn't change, and then it gets to a point where you sort of think, right, what what do we do now? Uh, and the only option really is to dig into your pockets and try and go up to the up to the next division, which is uh, frustrating. And, and for us at the moment, we're, we're just not sure if it's the right thing. I mean, you know, is, is the benefit there? Um, we're not sure. It's a difficult one to answer. It, it is a tough conundrum. It is a, you know, if you look at um, in the NPSL, clubs like Detroit City and Chattanooga who have been feeling that, that pressure for a while um, have been, you know, um, you know, trying to figure out what comes next. You know, we've, we, we're, we're sitting here and what comes next. And, and I, and I think that was a, a big part of this, this uh, project with, with the founders cup that they're trying to put together in, in terms of figuring out what comes next, because they, they recognize for themselves that the, something has to progress i mean you're you're hitting this this proverbial you know glass ceiling of opportunity mm-hmm. you, there has to be something otherwise it stagnates you know if you if you're a restaurant and you never change the menu you never upgrade or remodel your restaurant after you know a few years your your customer base is going to go down um right and 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 if you see that in any type of business, you're going to see that same result. I mean, you've got to be constantly trying to grow, trying to improve. Otherwise, you're not going to you're 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 not going to sit still for very long. You're going to start um, going in the opposite direction. Which, if you're a soccer club, you certainly don't want to be uh, dealing with, and and or or any business for that matter. So, you know, I I understand the the plight of chattanooga detroit i understand the plight of port city and afc mobile and other clubs that are are aspiring to build and want to to see their project their club reach um a higher level and and have the opportunity to do that based on you know on on field results sporting merit um and and I agree with you that there are there are a lot of people who give excuses as to um, you know why promotion relegation is is really hard or why in some cases they believe it 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 can't work. But the truth is anything can work if we set our minds to it. I mean, if we if if JFK can stand up in front of the the world and say America's going to put a man on the moon by the end of this decade, something that had never been done before. We're not talking about a open system of promotion relegation. We're talking about building a spaceship and sending a person to the moon. If we can figure that out with the technology available in the 60s, then 
I think we can figure out how to set up a system that works for the U.S. from a from an opportunity promotion relegation FIFA compliance standpoint, if that's what we want to do. And you know, unfortunately, the federation ha- has not shown leadership in that area. They they have certainly and are certainly compromised um, by uh, Major League Soccer and Soccer United marketing and others who who see the federation and use the federation as a tool to to keep them from having to compete with others who are not part of their club and um in in club by club i mean um you know their their old boys club type thing and um you know it, it needs to change we need that opportunity here in this country um we need the drama. We need the passion. Um, you know, we 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 need places like the Mississippi Gulf Coast to not just have one bar showing Port City games that you see it on multiple bars mm-hmm. and restaurants across the Gulf Coast because they they all are are following the club because there's a there there's a reason for them to that it, it gives them hope. Um, you know, to see Port City have the opportunity to go up like last year. You know, you win the league. Ideally, you're playing in a in a in a higher league this year, um, and 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 yet that didn't happen. Uh, and and there are other clubs around this country that won their leagues, and they they too enjoyed the same uh, reward, which is welcome back to the same league, <laughs> come back and play again. Um, and, and so that can only go on for so long before you, you, you really have to evaluate what, what comes next on a macro level. I'm with you. I I hope that we see the system change. And I think there are, there are some projects and some things underway that can help, uh, forge that path. And on the micro level, um, you know, it's, it's those internal conversations about what comes next that, so many clubs have had to have and and you guys will have to have as you continue to have on-field success of what comes next and so um good luck with that good luck with the season as the reigning champs i know that uh, there will be a lot of clubs circling your game um to to always you know try to come at the champion so uh it's 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 as they say much harder to stay on top than it is to get on top so uh, good, Absolutely, yeah. Good, good luck with uh, with that this season, and um, and and hopefully, uh, um, you know, you guys are able to uh, to have some some good success and and uh, and another really really good uh, season as well. So, thanks for coming on the show, and and thanks for for joining the show. We look forward to having you uh, back on uh, during the season, maybe to talk about some of the the results or or. Uh, the, the actual league campaign itself um, over over these next few months. Absolutely. It's been great. Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. That was Luke Berry, who uh, is the, the director of operations for Port City FC. He is um, building something special there in, in, in Southern Mississippi. Um, he, he, he's got a really, really solid team. And the thing that I've been impressed with watching his team play is when he said, when he talked about, like, I, I feel like we could go and play against, you know, any amateur side in this country and be really competitive. They could. I mean, they, he's he and his team there have, have put together a really solid roster of talent. They, they understand the business they're in on the sporting side, and it showed in winning the championship last year, and I think they're going to be competing for it again. So if you're a GCPL club out there, um, buckle up. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a battle, and I look forward to watching this league continuing to grow, continuing to get better, continuing to build – for the future and um, there are brighter days ahead as you guys continue to set an example for a lot of other clubs around this country of what is possible in American soccer and hopefully one day it all gets connected and then when the lights come on it's going to be amazing so thanks for joining the show today Um, 
really big thanks to to Luke Berry for coming on yesterday. Ken Richards, that was a pleasure, and um, look forward to uh, to having uh, more um, more guests on in the future. That that is going to do some some. It's going to be really entertaining. Uh, and we hope to announce that really, really soon um, as we get ready for the Women's World Cup. So uh, thanks for joining us. We will uh, we will see you tomorrow.